When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Chris, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you and the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Ross. This is how we get our She's smiling. Big smile. Because this media rigged the 2016 election. They rigged the 2020 election with the Hunter Biden laptop oh, story. Mr. And they're going to rig here. this oh, election. Your time is up. Your time is up, buddy. Governor Christie. Oh, boy. How's it going, my fellow Americans? Welcome back to the show. It is time for another brand new episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I, of course, am your host. Andrew for America and <laughs> the Republican debates, the national convention debates last night, hosted by Christine Welker, I think is her name. This girl, woman, young lady, whatever, has a big smile on her face like she just got got when Vivek Ramaswamy hit her with that question. Was the Trump Russian collusion? story a hoax that you perpetrated on your news network or was it or was it real life or did it really occur or was it hillary clinton created disinformation crowd goes wild yay vivek ramaswamy everyone's getting behind this guy he's saying some controversial stuff that a lot of we truthers would probably tend to agree with right but if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I played a clip from Anomaly Dream Rare on Instagram who told you a story about the other side of Mr. Vivek Ramaswamy. Big Pharma CEO, got paid a bunch of money, said a bunch of controversial stuff in the past about the vaccines are good, and he supported Mike Pence. And I think he was anti-Trump at the time. Here he is talking about the hoax, at least, uh, saying that Trump was allegedly innocent. There, It was, in fact, a hoax. Or was it, hey, uh, maybe you should answer that question, moderator of this debate, Christine Welker, or whatever her name is. Interesting stuff, wouldn't you say, my fellow Americans? Very entertaining. 
very theatrical. And that's what these debates on these mainstream media news networks are. Theater. A TV show. Remember when I played that clip from Anomaly who accused Mr. Vivek Ramaswamy of taking George Soros money and once upon a time being affiliated with the World Economic Forum as a young global leader? Remember that? Is Vivek Ramaswamy going to become the front runner in this election? Is he already bought and paid for by the Soros-funded big club? Much like, uh, what's the other guy? Who's the Florida guy? Ron DeSantis. Remember when Sam Winchester and I told you about him and Glenn Youngkin and the Carlisle Group and how he's assembling a war chest to run for president? Mr. Ron DeSantis, already bought and paid for by a lot of the donors and the lobbyists and the big business corporations, right? I've been over a lot of this stuff, my fellow Americans. And here we are on the precipice of these 14 months from now until this 2024 uh, election that allegedly may not occur if Alexa is correct. (laughs) If artificial intelligence, who told us that the 2024 election isn't going to occur because of the invoking of the War Powers Act, because of the war that we have engaged in with Iran and Russia and China, maybe Ukraine, maybe Israel, maybe Palestine, maybe Saudi Arabia, maybe World War III, right? So let's play another clip here from Mr. Vivek Ramaswamy. I want you guys to pay very close attention to this candidate. Do your research on the man. You be the judge Come to your own conclusions. This is the time of year where you, my fellow Americans, if you want to exercise your futile, purely participatory action of voting in order to make your country, these United States of America, better moving forward in this next four years, it's time to start going to work, doing your homework, doing your research figuring out who these candidates are, who are their donors, what big business conglomerates support them, who are they, and what is their agenda. Take a listen to this. Swami, are you persuaded by President Zelensky's urgent new plea? Where do you stand on more funding? I'm absolutely unpersuaded. And I'm actually enjoying watching the Ukraine hawks quietly, delicately tiptoe back from their position as this thing has unwound into a disaster. The first half of this race, I was the only person standing for it. Now they're actually quietly coming around to being more cautious as they should. Level with the American people here. Ukraine is not a paragon of democracy. This is a country that has banned 11 opposition parties. It has consolidated all media into one state TV media arm. That's not democratic. It has threatened not to hold elections this year unless the U.S. forks over more money. That is not democratic. It has celebrated a Nazi in its ranks, the comedian in cargo pants, a man called Zelensky, doing it in their own ranks. That is not democratic. That is a mic drop moment. Okay, so that was Benny Johnson, Benny Johnson show, talking about this is a mic drop moment. And I recently saw uh, Crowder uh, say the same thing, mic drop. It's almost kind of like propaganda being disseminated through alternative media. 
news sources. Maybe it's not propaganda. Maybe we're all just listening to each other and we're all in agreement. But hey, you know what? Before everyone gets all bent out of shape, before everyone gets too excited about this Vivek Ramaswamy guy, oh, mic drop. Oh, he called out Zelensky for being a Nazi. And he said that they consolidated their media, which isn't democratic. And he said that they rigged their elections, which isn't democratic. Well, who gives a shit, right? Who gives a shit about democracy? The founders of this country said that democracy soon destroys and wastes itself. The founders, I played a clip about this very thing in my last installment of my bonus episode, Reality Lies, Damn Lies, and Statistics, Part 9, entitled The Great Awakening. Lots of listens on that last show, that last installment. I highly recommend you guys go check that out. But here's Vivek Ramaswamy on the Republican debate stage, NBC News, talking about democracy to a bunch of Republicans. I find that interesting. And I also find it interesting that he is calling out Ukraine for doing things that we are actually doing here in the United States, possibly rigging and fixing elections, consolidating our media into five big corporations that control all the news and media you get to hear. He's talking about Ukraine doing all this shit as if we aren't doing the exact same thing here in the United States. I found that to be comical. It was a bit of a joke to me. Much like him railing against, oh, all these foreign countries aren't democracies and we in America need to be a democracy. No, we don't. No, we don't. We need to have democratic institutions like voting Like the idea behind those things, yes, I agree. We need to have those. The problem is, is that it's a good idea on paper. But much like communism and socialism, it's not a great idea in practice when you allow big money, big donor financial uh, interests, influencing, paying off, funding, donating, Lots of money to these campaigns. Is Vivek Ramaswamy a Soros guy? I know George Soros' son said he was going to take the fortune and put it into the Democratic Party. Maybe he's also funding young global leaders, former World Economic Forum affiliated candidates like Vivek Ramaswamy in the Republican Party as well. Perhaps. Right? Who knows? Who knows the backstory? All you're getting is the show. And if you're a down since day one listener of this podcast, you know that I have always often talked about the show and the reality. The show is what you see on your TV screen. The show is the mainstream media big club narratives they want you to be talking about, thinking about, fighting about, believing in slurping up, being spoon-fed, this bullshit, fantasy world storylines. You slurp that shit up, spoon it down your throats, lay lay down on your couch in front of your TV screen, let those cable news narratives just wash over you, propagandizing you, mind-controlling your subconscious mind, critical factor bypass, bypassing your critical analysis, by planting the repetition 
of these talking points and narratives into your subconscious mind so that one day you start parroting these ideas and stories much like Hitler did when he took over control of the German government. He was a Nazi. Allegedly, Zelensky is a Nazi. The Ukrainian sigil on the flag is allegedly ancient Khazarian. There's a big debate going on right now about who bought and controlled the country of Israel in the past. Lots of podcasters have been talking about the Rothschilds' purchase of it, the Balfour Declaration, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. Look at history. Figure it out. Lots going on in that region of the world. Albert Pike's uh, vision of the Third World War, perhaps, allegedly, coming out of the Middle East. Milton William Cooper saying that Israel was created to facilitate the function of Armageddon. And that's what that army colonel on the Tucker Carlson show I played for you in the last episode said that it looks like Armageddon is the desired destination of all of this. And here we are in the midst of the debates starting to fire up. We got Vivek Ramaswamy's out there doing a pretty damn good job of facilitating the function of the show, the theatrical narrative shilling (laughs) to you, my fellow Americans, to get you to go pull the lever for one of these politicians that sadly, probably, is already bought and paid for by the big moneyed big club groups. Do you really think, after what we've seen from Biden to Trump to Obama to George uh, W. Bush to Clinton to George H.W., all the way back to Reagan, back to Carter, Ford, Nixon, I mean, you take it back as long as you need to, and you look at the playing out of our history from the presidential executive branch all the way back to FDR, all the way back to Woodrow Wilson, all the way back to Lincoln. I mean, all the way back to Washington, people. It's a big club. The founding of this country has a secret hidden goal. The secret destiny of America the Freemasonic foundations, the symbols, what they mean, how they relate to the past, how Christianity factors in, how the Roman Catholic Church factors in, the Jesuits, the Illuminati, the Bilderbergs, the Council of 300, the Club of Rome, yada, yada, etc., etc. People, you better dive in and start your quest because here we are we have arrived at the precipice 14 months away from the next american election and if you don't think we're about to see not only an october an october surprise but probably 
a monthly surprise, two or three monthly surprises perhaps are going to start happening. Psychological operations as far as the eyes and the ears can see and hear. Misdirection. While your attention gets focused on a bunch of bullshit propaganda narratives, another agenda shall go unnoticed. Start paying attention, my fellow Americans. You know why you should start paying attention? Because here we are. It's coming. All right. Wow. Dramatic, Andrew. Um, I'm going to take a break, and when I come back, I am honored, and I have the honor and the privilege to welcome back to the show, host of the According to Sam podcast, Mr. Sam Winchester himself. Uh, He came back uh, and visited the show, and we had a really long conversation about Vivek Ramaswamy and the debates and where Sam has been. He's taken a hiatus from his show. And uh, he's about to come back, I think, at the beginning of the next year, uh, January 2024. He's uh, been putting together a video podcast uh, platform concept. Uh, and we talk about how he's been uh, researching and looking for what kind of software he's going to use. We kind of talk about um, podcasting. So for you podcasters, uh, you'll be interested in probably the first part of this conversation where we kind of kick it off talking about how we're doing our shows and what our plans are. And uh, then we get into a range of topics, similar continuing themes as always. Uh, Me and Sam uh, always have a fantastic, thought-provoking, interesting conversation. Uh, He is a wealth of knowledge and information, and uh, he's going to talk about what you can expect uh, moving forward for the According to Sam podcast as he gets his new video concept off the ground. So be looking for that. Uh, If you want to go check out his work uh, thus far before he took his break, just go uh, search according to Sam with the number two, uh, wherever you get your podcast. And I'm sure you can find his show. I know he's up on SoundCloud, uh, Apple, Spotify, uh, all the usual suspects. Uh, So this is going to be kind of a long show, people. When I come back, I hope you will enjoy Uh, My conversation and the return of Sam Winchester from the According to Sam podcast. We'll be right back. All right, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome back. I haven't talked to him in a very long time. It's time to catch up and check in. Sam Winchester from the According to Sam podcast is back on the show to say hi, and we're going to talk about whatever comes to mind. No plan, no filter. Sam, welcome back, bud. How you been? I've been good. I've been really good. Uh, I took uh, a break. Um, I haven't done a podcast, uh, since, uh, June and, um, I was only going to take a month off was the intention end up, uh, it's been four months now and I won't, uh, start, uh, doing my podcast again until the beginning of the year. Although, um, I will be doing some 
podcast between now and the end of the year just to kind of make sure that I've gotten um, all of my ducks in a row, got some technical issues that um, I still have to work out. Uh, but um, doing transforming a podcast from an audio podcast to a video podcast, it's a lot more encompassing than just putting a camera. If you want to do it right, if you want to have a um, nice – uh, professional looking product uh, that you um, bring to the people because the content, anyone can have, you know, good content. The content's going to be good, but the packaging also has to be good. So sure. I've been working on that and um, uh, I will be starting my new podcast in the beginning of the year. Um, and it's been, uh, it's been, you know, taxing learning this software that I'm going to be running the podcast through. Um, I had to acquire a lot of hardware, computer, camera, and all that stuff. But uh, I'm ready to go, man. And this is this interview that and and talk that we're doing today. It's one of the first times that uh, I'm getting back out there. But again, between now and the end of the year, you're going to be seeing some according to Sam. Uh, podcast and then uh, I'm going full steam ahead uh, next year. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm waiting. I've been waiting. I'm like, man, I haven't heard of your show in for so long. And every time I, for the first couple months since you took a break, I was thinking about, oh, I got to see what uh, Sam's uh, latest episode is all about. And then I was like, oh, I keep forgetting he's on break. He's on break. So I'm glad that we had the opportunity today to catch up, man. And um, I know exactly what you mean. When I do my video shows, I just, my last show was a video show. Uh, what's it going to take? It probably takes me three to four times longer to do the trimming and the editing and putting it all together through the right software than just an audio show I would do through the Audacity software. So for you're sure, right, man, you're right. The video uh, is a step in your game up and there's a lot that goes into it. So uh, yeah, I'm, but it, I was going to say yeah. it offers you a lot more too. It gives you a lot more um, to share because people are visual, you know? So absolutely. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, to yeah. No, I was going to say, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, I know that um, Matt from Great Deception did a show recently where he's talking about the pandemic and he actually gave me a shout out. He's like, oh, Andrew does these video clip shows. That, and when he does the video, it's so cool because you can see, you know, exactly what he's talking about versus just the clips he normally plays the audio of. Exactly. So that is the that is the future. I think for all of us, eventually we got to work up to that because uh, you're right. People are visual and I think they can understand and immerse themselves a little bit more deeply in the content once they sure. can see something or someone talking versus just the audio. And I'm still going to put, uh, you know, the podcast out on the audio formats uh, through RSS. Um, you'll be able to, to listen to it while you're on the go. But I think to get the, um, uh, to get all that my show is going to have to offer when I start, um, you're probably going to want to uh, watch it because, I mean, you're going you're gonna to need to see the video of, you know, some of these things that are going on because some of the stuff is madness. And and just listening oh, yeah. is not – you need to see this madness, man. <laughs> I mean, this, it, it, this world is crazy 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 right now yeah. that's the thing you know the past four months that i have been off there has been so much that has been going on yeah. that uh you can't keep up. I, 
that I mean, it's hard to keep up, but also I'm kind of like, you know, I feel that God, I can't believe that, that I'm not commentating on this because this stuff is just, um, it's really outrageous. And, um, you're seeing some of these things going on and how crazy the world is. And I, I can't wait to get back on the mic to, you know, address some of these issues head on. And that's one of the things that I kind of pride myself in doing in my podcast is talking about issues and talking about them in a way that nobody else is talking about. Sure. Um, this, uh, this issue with this um, Israeli and Palestinian conflict, um, you know, there's, there's so many people who are afraid to talk about that issue because they don't want to offend someone or, uh, or, um, you know, talk about the, the real issues behind that conflict the talk about the fact that there are um, religious fundamentalist uh, zealots on both sides of this argument, just because, you know, I'll, I'll admit 100% that Hamas and uh, the Muslim fundamentalists are uh, religious zealots. But I'm also going to tell you that there's some religious zealots in Israel as well that have been oh, fueling yeah. this. Um, and so that's one of the things that, that I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back on and talking about on my show and addressing it away in a way that I don't hear anyone else in media, um, really talking about it in the way that I plan on talking about it. And that's just a, a small little bit that I'm, you know, really chopping at the bit and, and, yeah. you know, really looking forward to getting back I'm, on and, and talking about. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. I've, I, you know, that I love your perspective and I know there's other podcasters out there that do as well. So looking forward to having you back, man. Can't wait to see the video show. What, yeah. um, what were you saying about the software? Is it, uh, for just so, real quick for the podcasters, can you familiarize us with what you're using? So there's there's uh, quite a few different uh, pieces of software that are out there that uh, allow you to produce your video podcast, uh, and you run it through this software. You have a uh, a studio page where you can set up clips and transition. You know, have them set up uh where the viewers not seeing them and then you transition into the clips that you've set up um i'm using a open source uh piece of software called obs um okay. and you can look it up um on youtube everything that i learned about obs i learned on youtube there's tons of uh and again the software itself is open source so there's this whole community behind it and they're always you know writing different um you know programs and and pieces of software okay. to enhance it um and it is really um you're gonna see it 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 just is really functional. And if you don't know about OBS, you should definitely check it out, Andrew. There's other pieces of software um, that are out there uh, that I was looking at. Let me see if I have. The one that, I, the one that I'm using right now is called VideoPad uh, Wondershare VideoPad okay. Editor. And I have a converter for stuff on there, too. It's really simple to use, but it's not by any means 
advanced and yeah. anybody and anybody that has seen my video shows know that it's 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 satisfactory but it's not top quality top tier by any means but I forget those other ones because I was looking at some other ones uh, as well, but then I settled on OBS because again, it it's open source, it's free, and it's really um, it's really good. I'm gonna, I mean, I'll once I get my once I get my show going, um, you know, it's gonna be a work in progress. Things are gonna always uh, be developing, and um, and who knows? I may go to another piece of software. I may go from PC. When I was doing the audio podcast, I was you know on Mac, and then I bought a um, a Windows uh, computer, and and now I'm on PC. But who knows? I mean, I may find that I may want to go back to Mac. So I'm just gonna get started with this uh, with this open, and that's the other thing too. Um, the, uh, paid programs, I mean, there could be up to two fifty five hundred dollars So I said, I'm going to start with, with this open source program, see how it goes. And then if I need to bump it up, uh, then I will. So cool. it's called OBS. Check it out. I'll have to check it out, man. That's cool. So, uh, you brought up, uh, Israel and Palestine. So I don't know how much I'm sure you've been paying quite a bit of attention to it. Very much um, so. There's a lot. I mean, holy buckets. A lot of uh, podcasters and commentators talking about who are the real Jews. Oh, gosh, it's anti-Semitism. You can't talk about that. But it's like, well, if I want to seek understanding about the topic, if I want to learn about the history, uh, how can I do that without being called an anti-Semite? It, it, reminds me, it reminds me of that Jimmy Dore quote where it's like, no, I didn't vote for Trump. I'm not a white nationalist. I just have questions exactly. about what happened. Exactly. So, and you're so, not even allowed to ask the questions. <laughs> yeah. And so I respect a lot of the podcasters out there and commentators talking about the Rothschild's purchase of the land and the Balfour Declaration and all the history behind the Ashkenazis and the Khazars and that entire region all, all the way up into Ukraine. And like nobody, oh my God, you can't even talk about it. I had a guy, I was talking to a guy, I have a friend, uh, that I work with, me and him and his buddy were kind of just um, very surface level talking about this at the bar the other night. Great place to talk politics, of course. And his buddy, they're both Jewish guys, and mm-hmm. his buddy, and we were kind of just, I was kind of just tiptoeing in, like, yeah, let's see, you know, if I can learn something from these guys about the history and about what's going on, and just kind of get their perspective. The minute I even uttered the word Rothschild out of my <laughs> mouth. The minute that word, that name came out of my mouth, he was like, that's anti-Semitic, bro. The streets and, are named. They have, the, they have like, streets in like, Tel Aviv named after the the, the main street in Tel Aviv is named Rothschild. I yeah. mean, that's I, I mean, I don't understand why you would be so, so yeah, against so I t- that. Right. So I took that cue as propaganda is effective. Mm-hmm. This is where I slowly and respectfully eject myself. Exactly out of the conversation because I know there is no further seeking of understanding and wisdom exchange, knowledge exchange going on at that point. And I'm telling you, man, in my old age, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm becoming more and more of a hermit by choice because <laughs> there, I can only talk to podcasters and people that understand about this stuff anymore. No, I without, get it. You know, it's just, it's getting, you know, tough out there, man. It's getting real scary like you said wild wild times well i mean the biggest thing is just people are so ignorant and do not 
understand history, even like, you know, very um, recent history. When I talk about recent history, I'm talking about, you know, the 1980s, even though, um, you know, yeah. that's 40 years ago. But still, I consider that, man, I was alive in 1980. I consider that uh, re recent history. But sure. uh, even more recent history, I would think, you know, knowing exactly what went on over the last hundred years. I mean, and um, we don't know that. Uh, the people in this country are very emotional and that's what oh, the, yeah. the way they react. They react uh, very emotionally. That's why when this conflict uh, first, when it first erupted on October 7th, and in those days in the aftermath, there were all of these reports about the 40 beheaded babies. And I'm sure you saw that, I commented you know, on it on the show. The it 40 beheaded of, babies. And, and it, was one, it was 100% bullshit. There yeah. were no 40 beheaded babies. And, what, and that didn't take away from anything that Hamas had done as far as this raid. And, you know, first thing I have questions about is... I mean, and this is what I, I do not get intelligence failures in 2023. When, when you have the Orwellian <laughs> police state, the, the eye of Sauron, the, the eye of Sauron, uh, watching <laughs> every single thing that you do at every, at every second. And you look at how, those people live in Gaza uh, with the wall, with the cameras. I mean, the I mean, I, we live in a, a Orwellian security state here in the United States. It's even more Orwellian oh, there yeah. in in Gaza. And you're telling me that these people put this plan together, dug these tunnels, uh, uh, you know, uh, got the hang gliding gear in, and planned this whole thing without any without a sniff Mossad didn't get a a sniff of this so that's my first contention that i have a problem with i have a, I have a problem with that second of all the the propaganda the way you use propaganda is you pull on people's emotional heartstrings mm -hmm. so immediately when this story comes out this woman from cnn about the the 40 beheaded babies, you're trying to manipulate people. So again, that's that's the second thing that I see going on that, you know, raises my spidey sense that I'm going to be suspicious about anything you tell me next because, um, you know, I've been down this road before. I've been down the weapons of mass, gonna... the weapons of mass destruction. They took the babies out of the incubators. incubators. The I, yeah. I've been down this street. We've before. seen the movie before. Exactly. I've seen it before. So I'm highly skeptical uh, or skeptical in, in the first place. And, and so um, for people like me and people like you who have this skepticism, um, this propaganda doesn't work well, but in the people like that, that I'm talking about, and we're talking about the people who don't understand history, uh, don't understand how propaganda works, um, you know, have very short memories, even though they may have been alive during the weapons of mass destruction uh, fiasco. They don't really remember how we were lied to. And, um, you know, they're ignorant and 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 emotional and they're prime targets for this propaganda. And, um, 
And all I see now is us transitioning from one war theater to another war theater. As that war theater winds down, you start seeing another one spring up. That way you always have some war going on at some point in the world that our military industrial complex is going to be funding and their investors and, and they are going to be making tons of money off of war because war is a racket, like Schmetley Butler says. And it is so it should be very uh, apparent to anyone who's been watching this that we went from Afghanistan, Afghanistan winds down to Ukraine, Ukraine winds down, and now we have the conflict getting ready to start in the Middle East again. These are war profiteers, and if you watched that debate last night, um, you see, I mean, all five of these clowns, except uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, he was the only one who was even... Uh, a tad bit appealing, but everyone else on that stage was just having a pissing contest about how fast they can get us into war with Russia, with China, with Iran. And I'm like, you clowns, you, you know, you didn't get enough. We just lost a 20, uh, a 20 year war to people who wiped their butts with their hands. And you want to go to war with Russia, Iran and China. What's wrong with you people? And we're $34 trillion in debt, approaching $34 trillion in debt. This is madness. And um, yeah, I mean, as you can see, I've been itching to talk about this stuff. (laughs) So I'm going to, I'm going to take your example because I'm uh, my next episode. I just, I'm halfway through it already. And I'm glad that you brought up Vivek Ramaswamy because that's who I'm talking about in the first half of the show. And I'm picking up on a story that I talked about about this man previously and let me run some conspiracy theories i have by what do you say sam let's do it okay while ago uh anomaly uh who goes by dream rare on instagram uh kind of a libertarian commentator dude Mm -hmm. uh did an entire clip about how vivek ramaswamy lied in an interview about accepting a loan from George Soros once upon a time uh, for, I don't know if it was for business or to get him through school. I think it was to get him through some school. And it was a scholarship. Scholarship. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then when they, and then when they checked the, the, the books on his income for the two previous years, he made well over a million dollars in uh, the pharmaceutical industry. So uh, anomaly makes the contention that he lied about that. And when he came on TV, he said it was a, it was a yeah Soros scholarship, and I didn't have the money at the time. I didn't have the money. I didn't have the money. I needed to take it. I didn't have the money. This is his argument, right? So there's already there was already skepticism about this guy's intentions, and anomaly kind of concludes like, who is Vivek Ramaswamy? He says, well, he's whoever you want him to be, because much like Obama, even ripping off Obama and some of his talking points. Oh, I'm just a poor skinny kid with a funny name and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Right. And so, so anomaly contends that, Hey, come on my show or concludes rather that I don't believe you. I don't buy your bullshit. I'll ask you the tough questions. If you come debate me, blah, blah, blah. Right. So with that in my head, here comes this debate last night. Mm-hmm. And then you made the point that I'm getting ready to make right now is that it looks like Ramaswamy's the only guy that seems critical of the moderators critical of 
the mainstream media and how they handled COVID and everything else, right? All these other clowns look like they're just trying to charge us into a war. Like you said, it looks to the lay person that is easily easily swayed by the propaganda that this guy is the front runner right now because because mm-hmm. he, he looks like he he's taking this big leap out in front of all the other uh, candidates allegedly. Like if you if you look at it from the big picture, like you said. Maybe some people are thinking that already, and maybe that's how it's going to play out, that he becomes the front runner because he's saying something different than everyone else in the party. Everyone's going to start believing him over everybody else. He might get the nomination, right? So, but let's just play that logic out. Let's say that that is the truth. Let's say that he does take the lead, and then he does become the front runner. Okay. Now, we all have to ask ourselves the question. Is this a Soros-funded former World Economic Forum world or young global leader once upon the time that is now sitting as the Republican frontrunner for president of the United States, funded by a guy who gave his fortune to his son, and his son said, I'm going to fund the Democratic Party. Very interesting Sus, usual suspects for sure involved in this debate. What do you thought? What do you think? So, um, I don't completely trust Vivek uh, Ramaswamy for all the issues that you said and and Anomaly said, and and others as well. I mean, he was a uh, came out and supported uh, Juneteenth and said Juneteenth was this mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. national holiday, and then supported uh, Mike Pence. He supported then, Pence too, and then um, he came out and said that uh, Juneteenth was pandering and that. So this guy's taking a position on, on everything. And, and just like Obama, I think Obama is a great, uh, example of someone who said all the right things when he gave his speech at the democratic national convention in 2004, said all the right things (laughs) when he was running in 2008 and as soon as he gets elected, he showed you who he was. And I see Vivek Ramaswamy in the same light. Vivek Ramaswamy, though, is extremely young in uh, in politics. This, and to go uh, as young as he is from not being in politics or having, I think that he said that he didn't even vote um or he was a, he was a democrat and he he voted in a couple of elections but he hasn't really been really in active in politics even as as a voter or campaigning for uh a candidate and, and to go from uh that to immediately being president of the United States um i think I've it's very much like before too. I, I think exactly 100% i think it's very much like Obama as well. Obama uh, goes from being a state senator, uh, which I completely believe that he was funded by um, by uh, Bill Ayers Sr. and uh, William Ayers is, um, you know, uh, elitist, you know, group of Lefty. people there in 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 Chicago. Uh, they fixed it so Obama could um, rise to you know, popularity go from state senator to uh, U.S. senator uh, to the president of the United States in two years. So I see Vivek Ramaswamy trying to take that uh, same path. But like you said, we've seen this before. 
um, if Vivek Ramaswamy is serious about everything that he's talking about on the stage, he needs to there there needs to be a job for for him where he can work for a few years and prove himself um, if he's authentic and and proving himself in in whatever this position is. I've heard people say today that even being the uh, the chairman of the Republican National Committee may be a good job for him. Whatever it is, um, he needs to prove himself by showing that he's going to take the type of risk and bucking against the establishment, the political establishment, left, right, whatever uh, you want to call it. There's no distinguishing the political establishment left from right. They're both the same. So bucking, he seems to be bucking against the political establishment. He needs to work a few years in some position where he can demonstrate that he's bucking the establishment so we can, you know, have faith in him and, and, and trust him because absolutely I do not have the faith and trust in him right now, just because he is on stage copying Trump, you know, because yeah. that's basically what he's doing. You know, Trump was the one in 2016 that stood on the debate stage and told Jeb Bush that your brother lied to us and uh, there were no weapons of mass destruction and the World Trade Center. When people saw that in 2016, they were like, I can't believe he's saying that. But now the vivid Ramaswamy is, is doing, it's like, well, dude, you know, (laughs) you're the Johnny come lately. We already got Trump. (laughs) (laughs) He's trying to capture some of that fervor. I think I'm not Trump. I'm more like Obama, but I can accuse and I can talk shit like Trump. So I get that, that entertainment flair. Um, I don't know. So real quick, a uh, couple things I want to say. First thing is, let's not gloss over the Obama, George W. Bush, and the Bush family in general connection. For sure. Obama's, Obama's first term was basically George W. Bush's third term because Obama did continued all of the policies of the previous Bush eight years and and not to mention his dad uh lolo sotoro cushy friends with the bush family oil interests all over the world indonesian death camps come to mind so don't look like and you i remember you saying and i remember actually dave smith saying and alluding to how because george w bush completely destroyed the credibility of the republican party after 9 11 and the the gulf wars that People wanted the polar opposite of George W. Bush to vote for, and they got Obama, who seemed to be the polar opposite. But guess what? It was exactly the same thing. Exactly. So he so sold check- himself as he sold himself as the polar opposite. So right. that's the way. That's the package that, so, that that they presented to us. Right. So think about this. Let's say here's here's another here we go another conspiracy theory. Let's say Vivek takes the spot, and let's say he is Soros funded. What it wouldn't it be a perfect storyline and perfect propaganda that they've set up this Trump derangement syndrome? We're trying the Democrats are trying so hard, so hard, so hard to try to get Trump out. We don't want Trump to run. We're trying to we're all anti-Trump. We'll take any Republican aside from Trump, 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 Trump. That's gonna be the mad occult magic trick misdirection. Focus your attention on the Trump story. And oh, by the way, let's quietly get this charismatic Obama-like uh alternative to the war party that is the left now into the Republican spot. And now guess what? 
the Democrats get rid of Trump, but then they start talking shit about the Vivek guy, although Vivek's their guy, and that's how they take control and keep well, that, control that for the Biden they, train. They did. Boom. That is how they. That is how they do things. That, that is how they do things. Another and, agenda will go unnoticed quietly. But I, this is the thing. I that that is one hundred percent how the establishment does things and and you're 100 percent uh right to be suspicious about vivek in that regard yeah but this is a theory would, I don't, i'm but, not saying that's the truth that's a theory i, I get it <laughs> but if it but what i'm going to say is that if that is true about vivek it wouldn't be for this election cycle it would be for the maybe in the next two sure. election cycles because vivek right now is polling at at three four percent so even if if trump see the thing is about vivek is trump's already dominating the vivek lane right trump's <laughs> right right that's true vivek that's true. is vivek <laughs> there's only one lane for vivek and trump's dominating that lane <laughs> so true. there's no lane for for vivek um in the non trump lane so what if trump he, gets convicted with all these court cases maybe, going on yeah. to get him out of the way for sure now now maybe if that is the case if something happens where uh where trump is not on the ballot and trump can't run then i do see a lot of trump voters going to vivek so i would be um, interesting yeah, I could I could see that happening. So, but I think that if what you're saying is true, that because he's so young, that if he is like a Soros plant or an establishment plant that um, sold like Obama, they're setting him up for maybe 2028 or 2032. There even, you go. So. Very possible. Yep. Playing yeah, the long so. game. We know they like. To oh, they that. played a long game. Oh yeah, <laughs> they played a long Something game, man. I tell you that. Do you got? Whoops, sorry. So that that's the thing. That's the, that's that's where we're at a real disadvantage when we have a populace of people who don't understand uh, history and have short memories and uh, you know just you know and just been are motivated and just yeah. emoti- and are just motivated by emotion. The problem with that is that these people play the long game, like you said, and so they've been playing this game and setting these people up. And, and setting up these pieces for a long time. So long. if you don't have any historical uh, perspective and and you don't really understand, um, you know, how this stuff works, then that's why you are a sucker to be taken by these people because uh, they play the long Ooh. game. They have been playing this game for such a long time time and people really don't even know and understand and that's one of the things that i'm going to talk about when i get back on my show i'm going to talk about the long game andrew i'm going to talk about the long game i'm going to be talking about i'm going to be talking about cycles i'm going to be talking about well not i'm going to be talking about longer than that andrew i'm going to be talking about the gods that these people worship you know i'm going to be talking about what this egyptian obelisk It it means that is at the center of our capital, this religious symbol that sits at the center of our capital and and, and not only at the center Mm -hmm. of our capital, this religious symbol, the uh, Egyptian obelisk is all over our society. What is this symbol? Why is this symbol, especially if you're telling me that the this seed is supposed of Osiris. to be a, a Christian nation founded on Christian? Well, why do you have this pagan symbol in the mm. center of your mm. uh, capital? 
What and, and so those are the things that I'm going to be talking. I'm going to be getting at the the long game, the long game about yep. who these people are Love and it. how long they've been planning this stuff and 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 what their designs are. And I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, man, I can't wait either. I was just watching. Um, I have this six part series that's the hidden origins of the United States, and it's like a six part uh, DVD set. I think I got it for Christmas, like. Man, six, seven years ago, I put in the first episode and I was like, there's all this Albert Pike stuff. And I was just like, I just got done talking about speaking of King of the one of the head honchos of the Freemasons that founded this country. I talk about the three world wars that he allegedly spoke about to this cardinal down in South America. Uh, Rodriguez, I think was his name. And Mm -hmm, he wrote it in this. Yeah, he wrote it in this book. And. I mean, he he's like Nostradamus of the world wars. Like, he pretty much called it, like you said, 100 years. Well, maybe not 100 years, but like he called it. In the late, it, 19, in the late yeah. 19, uh or late 1890s is there when uh, he did. And the funny thing about that, when you understand that, um, so I'm just going to give you a little taste. Sure, of, sure. But, but so um, the Reich, the, the word Reich, comes from uh it means empire is what it means the holy roman empire in um in german is hegelius romilio um i forget how you say roman um hegelius romana romanus uh uh reich so that's what that's where holy roman empire or where reich comes from it comes from the holy roman empire now, um, the first, the very first Reich, many historians believe that the very first Reich was the reign of Otto the Great. And Otto the Great uh, established the Roman, the Holy Roman Empire. But there's a lot of historians like myself who believe that the very first Reich, the very first Holy Roman Empire, was the reign of Charlemagne the Great. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the late 1980s, this is when the Weimar Republic was the strongest economy, the most affluent nation on this planet. This was at the the height of the Weimar Republic. This was the end of the the Prussian, the the country of Prussia. Uh, People don't even know anything about Prussia today because (laughs) Prussia became uh, Germany and uh, Wilhelm and um, uh, Wilhelm I they're the ones who established the German government. So that's the second Reich. If you believe that Otto was the first Reich, then this this German uh, Republic, uh, bringing all these German uh, peoples together, which had never been done before by Wilhelm, that's the second Reich. And then Hitler, he brings together what he is calling the third Reich, the which is the Nazi formation of the Nazi uh empire again reich means holy roman empire so um all of this is part of the holy roman empire just to call it the reich and and remove the holy roman doesn't change what this is this we're talking about the holy roman empire so that was the third reich with, with hitler and the nazis and there's a lot of people who have been talking about the rise of the fourth reich and and what we're involved in uh now the rise of the the fourth uh manifestation of the holy roman empire so you look at this you look at this letter from albert pike 
And it says that the first war is going to be between uh, Germany and um, it was going to be against the, uh, uh, the other powers in uh, Europe. And then from that war, you're going to establish communism. And uh, from communism, uh, there's going to be this... Uh, and the fascists are going to come. I'm just paraphrasing what he says. Right. The fascists are going to come about. And uh, and I think he mentions the Nazis and, and the Third Reich. And a lot of people have said that, well, there's no way that Albert Pike could have known about communism and right. Nazism because those come later. He couldn't have known about that in the late 19th century because those come later in the uh, 20th century. But I find so interesting. What I find so interesting is that all of these different ideas, Nazism, communism, even Zionism. Yeah, we've talked about this. Vienna. All started in the Ro Holy Roman Empire. It all started in the Reich. The, uh, Theodore Herzl uh, was Austrian. <laughs> Or, I mean, that's that what started, I was saying. Yeah, Vienna, Austria. I yeah, thought it was Austria yeah, we were talking about. Yep. That's where Theodore Herzl was from. That's where uh, Zionism came from. Um, uh, Marx and Engels were German. Um, Hitler was Austrian. Very so curious. all these I all these ideas that are in this this letter from Albert Pike, supposedly that we're going to bring about these three world wars. We've already seen the other two world wars. They all, all of these ideas originated in the same place in the middle of the Reich, the Holy Roman empire. So I just find it, you know, very interesting that this third world war, even if Albert Pike didn't write it, even if it was written by someone some kid just making up stories, fiction stories. What? Well, this really fits very closely to what, what we see going on today with Zionism and, you know, the escalation of world war that could be the result of what's taking place in Israel and in Gaza right now. So it's a, one heck of a coincidence. It doesn't matter if it comes from Albert Pike or not. It's one heck of a coincidence. If so, it is, in fact, a coincidence. <laughs> if it's a coincidence. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I start doing my show and start talking about this stuff, uh, I don't believe it's a, uh, a coincidence. I believe that uh, Albert Pike was a warlock. Um, he uh, practiced dark magic, just like Aleister Crowley, just like Minish Parsons, just like and, and Manly P. Hall yep. and many and many others. And uh, Steiner, <laughs> a, a lot of them, and more people than you think they oh, they yeah. practice this magic, and that's what the obelisk really is. It's it's a form of keeping us in bondage. Even if you don't believe in their magic, they believe in it, mm -hmm. and and it's all over our society. You look at the back of a dollar bill, you know. Um, you look at um, the symbology everywhere. It is it is their dark mystic symbology occultism and i don't even like to say that it's occultism anymore because uh, occultism means what's hidden and they're not hiding anymore yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're no they're no longer hiding they're out in, in the we're public with, in this occult, in, with their occultism 
We're living in a post-occult world. Yes, it's definitely <laughs> post-occult because they're not hiding at all. They're trying to make you hide. And, it reminds and... me of post-modernism. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, lots of crossover. Um. Yeah, so I can't wait for you to get back on the mic, man. I can't wait to see the video show. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be, be awesome. good. What uh, what else is going on? Uh, what do you think about? Uh, what was I going to ask you? The this idea that what if what if World War Three breaks out and we don't have a twenty twenty four election? Have you heard any of these theories well, and nonsense? I, mean, um, I I don't know that that that. Kind of a big I mean, one. who knows? But see, this is the thing, Andrew. Who knows what's going uh, to happen? They're pushing I mean, we, the envelope. We've been we've been in, in uncharted waters for uh, a while, and um, um, so who knows? I mean, I know that I'm very, and I was talking to a friend of mine about this. I think I, I mean, it's very uh, conspicuous that we are going into the fourth quarter of the year prior mm. to an election year. Um, and you have all of these uh, different pressure points. And so who knows what's going, because if you, if you understand what took place in 2020, um, the reason that it, COVID-19 is called COVID-19 is because it started in the fourth quarter of 2019. Um, just like we're in the fourth quarter of 2023 now. So whatever the pressure point is, starts building before the turn of the new year, and it starts building at the close of the previous year. That's what happened with COVID, and uh, that's what I see going on now. And there's other um, elections where I can go back and I can tell you uh, where significant pressure points were happening in the fourth quarter of the year previous to the beginning of the election year. Mm -hmm. And, and, and something explodes and that dominates the entire election year again, like COVID in 2020. So if whatever this pressure point is with Israel and, and Hamas, um, if another country uh, gets involved, um, if, um, you know, um, more Americans are wounded or killed because of attacks on our base in Syria, which again, why the hell do we have a base in Syria? But who knows any of these different, uh, pressure, a terrorist attack here in the United States, which, um, I'm glad you brought that up. That's exactly who, where I was going who, next. Who knows if it if there's going to be really a terrorist attack or is it going to be one of those terrorist attacks? You know, right, <laughs> right. But it's so, not going to matter. It's not going to matter if it's a, a a real terrorist attack because the borders are wide open and some terrorist has come across with uh, you know malicious intent, or if it's a terrorist attack. And it's not going to matter because they're going to use that to escalate this. And exactly. that is going to dominate the entire election year. So who knows? I know that in, we were asking if 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 this thing could be escalated to the point that we don't even have an election. Well, that's what's going on in in Ukraine right now. Uh, we're supposed to be, you know, helping Ukraine 
fight for democracy. <laughs> and the president of Ukraine is saying, we can't even have elections right now. They haven't even have elections. <laughs> so it's like, what kind of democracy doesn't have elections? So, I mean, right. but that's ha- so uh, it's happening over there. So who knows? It could definitely happen here. Yeah. I, uh, the, the thing that is a compelling theory argument for me is I saw Tucker Carlson recently interview a uh, former uh, army colonel, Douglas McGregor, who said that Armageddon looks like the desired outcome and there's Hezbollah cells in Mexico and they're training terrorist groups all the way down into South American countries. And I have some insider information about that. I work with a guy whose family is from Ecuador. And he told me recently that they're pushing people off their land. They're training all these groups down there. And isn't it interesting how the southern border is wide open? All of these uh, fighting aged men from everywhere are coming across the border and and seeking refuge. And we're housing them and paying thousands of dollars for each person, whatever you know they're, they're doing. Uh, apparently, it's happening in New York. There's boatloads coming over through not Ellis Island, but wherever, wherever on the East Coast, too. I heard that, th- that there's an influx as well. Maybe coming uh, from Canada. Yeah, and we know Alejandro Mayorkas tiptoes around this question every time he's asked it about the, the open borders. And, oh, they're coming through the ports. Well, when you tell them to not go through the ports and they go somewhere else, it's like there's still an influx. So you're just clearly you're full of shit, Mayorkas. Clearly, <laughs> the Biden administration wants they this want influx it. of people occurring for one reason or another now is it the army that's going to help us defend ourselves that's been trained for this false flag psyop or whatever when maybe there is a would-be invader that comes across are we going to defend ourselves against them who are the terrorist groups that are going to be carrying out attacks here in the united states there's so much possibility like there's so many things that could be happening it could be this Trojan horse of, oh, we're seeking asylum. We're, we're getting away from our terrible countries, and we want to be Americans, and we want to work here, and we want a better future for our families. When, haha, guess what? When they flip the switch, now we're attacking people in the streets, and now there's, you know, who knows what's going to happen. So, I don't know. I feel like it's too obvious of, of a scenario for people like you and me, maybe, that know what's going on. I wonder if that's again a magic trick. Is that misdirection? Are we are they getting us focused on the southern border being open and all this influx of people? Maybe there's going to be attacks in the United States, and quietly while we're all focused on that in the election, something else is being carried out, like some new World Health Organization vote on what their future 193 member country cabal is gonna they're all gonna be in lockstep on the narrative because I recently saw that Tedros was talking about all the 193 member nations are voting on some protocols. I I don't know exactly what the story is yet, but I, I don't know. There's so much going on, Sam. I, I might be getting ahead of myself, but I can't focus on where where do you find true information? How can I be discerning and skeptical in a world where who knows who's infiltrated all of the talking heads and the news and no, even the alternative it. media you know what do you think man well am i losing my for, mind <laughs> well for me for me um and you know that this is something that i've been uh you know really focused on and passionate about i mean in my show and 
and just in life in general is the nation's debt and, and money mm. and following the money. I think that following the money is a mm. good, um, it's a good rule and a good barometer, no matter what. And, um, and for this nation to get on track, the, the very first thing we have to do is get really serious about our debt. One of the last shows I did back in uh, June before I took my break was right after the Congress. Well, it wasn't even Congress. You remember, this was Kevin McCarthy. He goes into the Oval Office by himself with Joe Biden, and Joe Biden clings his clock on this debt limit deal. They um, raised the debt limit to infinity there is no debt limit now uh um kevin mccarthy 1913 (laughs) kevin mccarthy kevin mccarthy got got nothing for this concession um ends up getting his clock clean and then i called it then in june that that because of what kevin mccarthy did in that negotiation back in may that he was going to be vacated well Mm -hmm. he was vacated um, he did call just that. A, I remember just, that. He was vacated just a few uh, weeks ago. And everyone was saying that the Republicans in the House were, uh, you know, disorganized and dysfunctional and all of that. But what happened to Kevin McCarthy had to happen because uh, they're the only people, there's a just a small faction of republicans in the house and the senate in the senate it's it's Rand paul and and maybe another you know four or five others that you can count on one hand and um in the house it's the freedom caucus which is about two dozen uh members and they're the only ones who are really uh that really care about the debt but they're putting pressure on on congress now to rein in the debt and when you see all of this, like Nikki Haley last night, she was talking about that China has 350 ships in, in their Navy and we only have uh, 200 ships that we need to get up to 300 ships. Well, 300 ships, that's going to, uh, or another 100 uh, ships in our Navy is going to cost a lot of money. Where's that money going to come from? Nikki Haley, when we're thirty-four trillion dollars in debt, not only Nikki Cheney, not only <laughs> exactly, not only thirty-four trillion dollars in debt, the ma- majority of that debt obligation is unfunded liabilities and interest on the debt. So most of the debt uh. isn't even stuff that that you know that we can use for social programs and for wars and and all of this. We don't we don't have the money for all of this. We don't have so that's the first thing that that I'm uh really I I don't know if you watched Bill Maher's show. Occasionally <laughs> He gets, oh my he's god. Getting better. He's getting he better. He is getting better, but they brought this issue up on his show last week. He had Fareed Zakari and um oh boy. And I forget the other guy he had on, but Bill Maher says that our deficit is 2 trillion dollars. He's like, I remember when our entire debt, the entire national debt which is 34 trillion right now. I remember when our entire national debt was 2 trillion is what uh, Bill Maher asked his guests. Our deficit now is 2 trillion. That's in one year. Mm-hmm. 
He says, is that a problem? Are we, <laughs> to me, that's, that was his question. It's like, is that a problem? Are we going to be able to sustain this? Now, the thing that that if you're watching that and, and you don't you don't know this is that with the year that he's talking about when our debt was two trillion dollars was 2001. Yeah, <laughs> that's when Long our debt time. was two. So we've added thirty two trillion dollars in debt in 23 years or 22 years not even real. are you are you crazy and he's asking is that sustainable and Farid Zakari and the other guy was like you know oh yeah it's no problem you know <laughs> the economy's strong what are you people talking about oh boy it's like it's like it's 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 a it's it's a it's like one of those blinking lights when the when the road is getting ready to end. And it's like, you know, if you go past this light, <laughs> the road's gonna end and the light's just blinking, and you just we're just keep driving down the road. And it is going to be a problem. It's a huge problem. So so what I want to see is what's gonna go and now the inflation. That's one of the things I gotta fix. I don't know if you see my uh camera keeps um It'll skip keeps, every once in a while. Yeah. It keeps skipping. So I got that's one of the things I gotta figure out before I start my show in the uh next year. A couple other technical things, but if you see what's going on with this debt and and the fact that they just keep going with the spending, that is a direct relationship to the inflation. And we're getting killed by the inflation. Oh, yeah. The inflation is a tax on us. Mm -hmm. And people need to realize that, that when you go to the grocery store, when you go to get gas in your car, you're being taxed because of the inflation, because the supply of money is so great. That's why the Federal Reserve, they have a policy now of, you know, um, they call it tightening because they did the easing under Obama. So Obama wouldn't have had the success that he had without the easing. But now, then when, as soon as Obama's done and, and, and the easing, uh, we've milked all we can out of the easing, now it's time to do the tightening. So that's, that's what Jerome Powell's doing now is the tightening. But he's doing it, and if you listen to this guy when he talks, he'll say, well, you know, we have so many jobs and the economy's doing so great because of the jobs. Uh, but inflation is still high. He didn't raise interest rates uh, last week, but he says that he's leaving the door open to raise rates even more uh, before the end of the year, if not uh, shortly after the new year. This is a direct response to the debt and the fact yep. that we have so much debt. So we're being taxed because of the inflation and then we're being taxed because of how much it costs to borrow money because of the interest rate. This is all because of the Federal Reserve and their policy. They got us here. And, and people need to understand how they got us here is with that policy of easing the negative interest rate that they did under Obama because they didn't want anyone to feel the pain of the crash that they had set up in 2008. It all, all relates because they set up the crash. They set up the crash under Clinton and, and, and they all bailed out before the crash. You look at people like Robert Rubin, who is Clinton's tre treasury secretary. Uh, he repeals Glass-Steagall. He refuses to regulate derivatives. He uh, deregulates uh, all of Wall Street. He goes from Treasury Secretary in the Clinton White House 
to being the CEO of Citibank, which hmm. Citibank is the bank that he did all that deregulation for. And then he bails out just before the crash in 2008 with you know $300 million parachute. And he set up the crash, the crash. So they managed the crash. They were all in on, on the housing crash. They knew that the housing market was fraudulent. They knew that the derivatives were fraudulent. So the crash happens just as Obama is coming in in 2008. And they don't want people to feel the effects of that crash that they set up. So they did the negative interest rates to give Obama the appearance of a quick recovery. You're not going to feel any of the pain of that crash and kick the can down the road. And now we're down the road, 2023, we're down the road. And now we're getting all that pain from back then. And it all, it's all due to the Fed policy. And um, we don't have the money for these wars. Um, uh, we're going to get more austerity. We're going to get higher taxes. If it's not, if it doesn't come in taxes, taxes, it's going to come in a form of inflation and higher interest rates. We're going to pay more and it's all ba- And do you want to go down that road? This is what people need to ask themselves. Do you want to go down that road? And if not, um, how can we turn back the clock at this point? And I don't know that we can, but these are questions we need to be asking. Yeah, um, boy, 30 something. What is it? Th- is it 30? 34? What we're right, 34 or 33.7. 33.7. We will be at 34 by the end of this month, if not mid next month. So that's going to mean that we would have spent a trillion dollars in a matter of eight to 10 weeks. A trillion dollars blowing through. It's absolutely unsustainable. I don't think there's any coming back from that. I think that that's a perfect storm for a CBDC to come out of crisis, maybe war, and maybe and that may be the co- plan collapse of the currency. If uh, if the OPEC and the Saudis and whoever is in control of the oil decides, hey, the only thing that the American dollar is backed by is oil anymore. So if well, we no, change so that, the- what's going to happen? So that's the thing. the The dollar is not backed by oil. That is a a misconception. The oh, dollar is no. The dollar is backed by our labor, by by our labor. That is the collateral on the dollar because they will always raise taxes and they will always squeeze the money out of us. And that's why I like to tell people that they, that's the way they need to look at taxes as as labor. I mean, if you want to do it as in a day or do it in an annual year, if you're going to do it in a day, when you go to work in in the morning and you work an eight hour shift, how much of that shift is the government's? That's, that's the way I would like you to think about it. You know, do you, do you you work your first three hours of, of that shift for the government and you don't start making money until after that? Or some people, you know, uh, you know, they don't start making money for themselves until after lunch. You know, their whole first more first uh, four hours of the day belongs to the government. Or if you do it, uh, you know, in a year, how much of the year do you work for the government? Do you work the first three months of the year for the government and then you get the other three fourths of the year? Or if you're a high earner and, and, and think about this, what is the advantage of me going out killing myself to be a high earner if I'm going to be working three-fourths of the year for the government. 
<laughs> where where uh, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to work hard to build my business. I'm going to become a, a top earner. And, and, and three-fourths of the year, I'm working for the government. So that is the collateral on, on the dollar. That's what the dollar is backed by. It's backed by our labor. And that's the interesting thing about what's going on now. So they nuke Kevin McCarthy. It took him a while to get this new speaker of the house, uh, Mike Johnson. And I like him so far. One of the first things he did is they're talking about uh, aid for Israel and um, and Ukraine. So they wanted to do it. You know, remember um, Joe Biden just a few weeks ago gives this Oval Office speech. And it is one of the darkest speeches. If you, I'm going to break down that speech on one of my podcasts because it's one of the darkest speeches that I've heard a president give since since George Bush. And he's talking about how you know we we, we have to help Ukraine, we have to help Israel. He's asking Congress for a hundred billion dollars. Sixty billion goes to Ukraine, and he wanted to give like fifteen billion to. Uh, Gaza and, and and Israel and this new speaker comes in. Mike our labor, Johnson, our labor, people. It's our labor, it's our labor. He, this new speaker comes in. Mike Johnson says, first of all, um, I support uh, funding Ukraine and I support funding Israel. Israel is one is our greatest ally. And when he first started saying that, my spidey said, I was like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> but then what he does, Andrew. He says they passed this bill last week, $14 billion that we're going to, yeah, you guys are, everyone's saying that we support Israel. They're our ally. So $14 billion, we're going to pass this, but it's not going to be new spending. It's not going to be an emergency supplemental bill where we just create $14 billion. You guys want to help Israel? We have $14 billion. We're going to take it out of these 87,000 IRS agents that you just hired in the, uh, in the, yeah, I mean, I, I was so blown away when they did this and they passed it and they passed it bipartisan. I think they got a dozen or so Democrats to vote on this, but I mean, Kevin McCarthy never would have done that. (laughs) Kevin Kevin McCarthy (laughs) never would have done that. And the Senate and the white house still hasn't moved on it. So you're telling me that, that we are in this emergency situation in Israel, but you haven't moved on this $14 billion that the House has created. And the reason that they won't is because the money came from these IR, these 87,000 IRS agents that the Democrats, the Democrats passed this bill, the Inflation Reduction Act, and it was over $2 billion in, in spending. They created it uh, themselves without a single Republican vote. And in that bill, it called what for the hiring of 87,000 new IRS agents over 10 years. Um, and the CBO says that that what these IRS agents, IRS agents are going to be doing is going after families that make less than $400,000 a year. This is maybe a, a husband and a wife, a husband that makes 300,000, his wife makes I mean, who knows? I mean, how low they're going to go. But the CBO says under $400,000 because the Democrats were telling everybody this is just to go after billionaires. Right. Well, hold on. I looked up 
how many billionaires we have in this country on Forbes. And it turns out we have 750 billionaires, roughly 750. So go ahead and divide 87,000 <laughs> by 700 <laughs> and tell me how many new IRS agents is that per billionaire? It's outrageous. No, they're coming after everyone. This is what I'm saying is that this is the Democrats strategy to increase revenue because they, they don't want to talk about decreasing spending. So they want to increase revenue. So what they're going to do is they're going to come out and they're going to squeeze the American public with these IRS agents, squeeze more of that labor out of you, more of that money out of you so they can go out and fight these foreign wars. The American people need to uh, they need to wake up and, find, and, and ask themselves, are you sick of being squeezed with the inflation at the grocery store and squeezed with the inflation at the gas station and squeezed with the high interest rates? And now you're going to be squeezed for more uh, tax dollars and you're going to be audited and harassed by a, a authoritarian police force that have guns <laughs> and a lot of ammunition. This, that, that's the IRS. Are you, and you're going to be open them up to be auditing Americans to squeeze more money out of them. My fellow Americans, we just got to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps a little bit. And we got to tighten our belts just for a little while because your government has mismanaged your tax dollars. We just need to tighten things. I mean, dude. At what point? This my less my listeners know what Sam's talking about right now is what I'm referring to when I say slow usurpations over time. It's like the frog <laughs> in boiling water. They can't drop what they really want to do on you all at once because you knuckleheads would catch on. So they gotta ration it out slowly. So you don't I'm telling you, man. It, at what, there's got to be a breaking point, and what scares me is what got us out of the Great Depression, war. And if I mean the the it, to me it looks like the stage is set. Something's gonna happen with the currency. Here comes the draft. Now we got to go fight in another war. I don't know. Maybe that's uh, speculation, but conditions are perfect. Is what oh, it looks sure. like to me. So. Oh, for sure. And if you know how um, World War One started, I mean, it didn't yep. it didn't it didn't just start with Franz Ferdinand and his wife being gunned down in Serbia. Um, I mean, the stage was set um, when mm -hmm. that happened. I mean, when uh, Franz Ferdinand uh, was killed in Serbia, um, that was the final straw. So right now. Our state, the stage is set. Catalyst. I mean, yep. the the oh, yeah. the pieces are already there for whatever this catalyst is going to be. And in um, in World War One, it was the uh, the murder of uh, Franz Ferdinand, and who knows what it's going to be in um, in in this new war. But the stage is absolutely set and all it takes is a catalyst. And it doesn't even have to be a big catalyst because it's like it's already a fire. All you have to do is just pour a little gasoline on it and or it's maybe going... it maybe another shot heard around the world. Who knows? That's all it's gonna take. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? And 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 
the thing is, is that I, I think that whatever that thing is, it's going to be highly emotional and it's going to play like nine 11, like uh Pearl Harbor, like, mm-hmm. you know, any of these big events, it has to be big and it has to be really, really emotional and it has to tug on heartstrings. And, um, uh, quite frankly, um, it, it scares me about what they can, cause I've seen what, what they've, be. what they've already pulled off and, you know, um, and yeah. it scares me what these people are capable of. And we're coming up on that generational thing too. Everyone says those, you know, 20, 25 year segments of the 80 year cyclical epochs. Uh, my audience knows I've talked about Ray Dalio's book principles for dealing with the changing world order, where he talks about how history is literally the playing out of the same events just in loops over and over and over again. Pretty much. That's why I say you got to learn history, man. You got to know do. it. Yep. Absolutely. And, it's this time around, like you said, the stage is definitely set. We're around 20 to 25 years since 9-11, which was the last big one. COVID obviously was a factor, but uh, I feel like COVID was another setting of the stage for the conditions to come. And I don't know, man, I I don't want to be a doom and gloom fear porn artist, but (laughs) I do feel like something big might be around the corner within this next year or two. And We'll see. We will see. Yeah, you said it's funny because you just said year or two. I mean, I'm looking in the next uh, few months because uh, because I'm uh, trying to push it out. I'm trying yeah, to push no, it. I know. I I know because uh, but for me, I I think that that they want something to explode that's going to change the uh, trajectory yeah, of the trajectory. election uh next year and i don't know how they're going to do it i don't see how making sleepy joe a a wartime president's going to make him any you know more appealing <laughs> because in this uh I mean... new york times poll that was just released that got them all freaking out where trump's beating uh biden and five of uh six most important swing states uh, one of the, the questions that they asked in that poll is, um, do you see Joe Biden as, I forget the words they use, uh, uh, but vibrant or does he have energy or something? Like, and 70, or that's what it was. Does he have the energy or oh, is he vibrant, said that. <laughs> vibrant enough to uh, be president of the United States? And in the poll, only 25% of respondents <laughs> said that, uh, yes, Joe Biden <laughs> It's vibrant. I played uh, I played a clip on the show of Janet Yellen being interviewed, and the guy's like, uh, I know you're not going to be advocate or supporting a woman for president because you're already 100% on the re-election of Biden. And, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on uh, his performance? And she's like, oh, he's very involved. He's very vibrant. Oh That's their key God. word, vibrant. He's Who would believe vibrant. that? Yeah. And, I, I mean, I'm – I, my listeners know I laughed through this entire clip on my show when I played it because it was just absolute comedy to me. Who that would anybody believe would that? Believe exactly. I mean, if 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 if, if you see if you see a picture of Joe Biden or video of Joe Biden and they say what's the first word that comes to mind and you say <laughs> vibrant, you need to go to the hospital yourself. <laughs> or involved, very vibrant, very involved. Vibrant is the last word that would come to mind. <laughs> Agreed, and that's and see, and that's the whole thing. That's like 
these these propagandists can literally invert reality and spit it out to the masses, and they they do. They just believe it like like absolute. Well, the TV screen told me that's exactly how it is. And I also played going back to the whole Nazi Third Reich thing. I mean, Hitler talks about this in Mein Kampf and other of his writings where. You know, the, the he, he talks about how pop propaganda can't be directed at the intelligent. It has to tug on the emotions of the average For sure. stupid person. And that's what he said. He thought that the masses were idiots that yeah. were easily controllable. And I'm I hate to be the guy that agrees with Hitler mm -hmm. on this specific thing, but he wasn't wrong. And we can see that he wasn't wrong. And I know Absolutely. that's controversial, but that's the truth, people. I'm sorry. That and that's why they plan and that's why they planned the Reichstag fire. Uh the Nazis and uh Goebbels and and, and Hitler before um before they even came to power in 1933 um and when I say power because they had been elected in 1932 but the enabling act that gave the chancellor that 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 changed uh cuz like Hillary Clinton she was on uh, the view yesterday and she makes this relationship oh, to oh, uh to trump and she says you all hitler was duly elected yes hitler was duly elected well i mean what's the point that you're trying to make hillary clinton <laughs> that that we shouldn't have elections that uh that trump is hitler because he's duly elected yep. but hitler didn't become a problem until after they used the propaganda from the Reichstag fire to get the Enabling Act uh, passed. In the Enabling Act, the Reichstag makes the chancellor Fuhrer, and they give him all of the power of a dictator um, after the Reichstag fire. That was the problem with Hitler. Not that he was duly elected Hillary Clinton. The fact that the Reichstag made him dictator uh, after the Reichstag fire, yeah. which they 100% planned and used it for propaganda because they understood this stuff. And, and, and Goebbels and Hitler, they will all, they, they, they told you that they learned propaganda from Edward Bernays. Edward Bernays is the one who showed them how to use propaganda. Again, where was Edward Bernays' family from? From the Reich. Um, Sigmund Freud, his uncle, whose his entire cycle um, um, analysis dealt with emotions and yep. and the and the um, the hidden emotions in a person's subconscious. You you remember the I mean uh, the um, iceberg is what they would always use to uh, describe a. Um, um, what God, I'm, I'm drawing blank on uh, Sigmund Freud, uh, the iceberg that the the part of the ice, the bird oh, that the, you see, the ego and the superego. Well, no, no, the no, the, no. So the sub the subconscious is where um, is where Everything Sigmund Freud. Occurs. Yeah, it's where he theorized that there's more going on. So they use the iceberg um, and, and say you're looking at an iceberg. The part that penetrates the top of the the water is mm -hmm. the conscious mind. But there's this mass under the water that you don't see that represents the subconscious mind. Good this analogy. Is all, this yep. is all uh, from Sigmund Freud's uh, theory about the subconscious, who is Edward Bernays' uncle. Edward Bernays took those theories about the subconscious and the emotional connections to the subconscious then and how you can use 
that 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 hidden psychology or um, that hidden um, emotional um, baggage that someone may have, and you can market to them and and use it for uh, politics. And that's where the Nazis learn their propaganda is from Bernays taking these ideas from his uncle, Sigmund Freud, who again is there in Vienna, in Austria, um, where all these ideas originate. I just find it fascinating, all these ideas. And so many uh, of the ideas that dominate our society develop there in the in the Reich but in that little region yeah in that little region but uh but Edward Bernays taking those ideas um and and theorizing uh propaganda to use to sell products and to sell ideas to people and that's that's really where the Nazis got it from and they believed in it and they used it and it's still being used today those ideas are still being used to propagandize the American public today um, I was going to say Gustav Le Bon, too, I think, was influenced Hitler. And he talked about the propaganda and subconscious mind as well. And I, I wanted to comment really quick on when you were telling that story about the Reichstag fire, again, that I know you and, and I have both commented on in the past. Uh, conditions were perfect for that desired outcome to occur. And this is the point I'm trying to hammer into the heads of my listeners. People, when the conditions become perfect... It did not happen organically. It was planned and premeditated, and they're play, they played the long game to get the conditions to the specific point where they can execute the next part of the plan. And that's <laughs> look at history, and you can see it. And that's what I think me and Sam are trying to get across to you, is that when you see the same stories and the same themes and the same cycles repeatedly occur, it should remind you of, you know, um, what's that saying? Uh, those who do not learn from history are condemned to repeat it. And here we are repeating it over and over and over again because we don't learn from it. And that's sad. <laughs> I guess yeah, the, the, Nazis, the Nazis never could have come to power without the extremely punitive um, reparations that um, Woodrow Wilson and the the versailles the treaty of versailles that they put on germany after world war one the those reparations and the financial burdens that they put on germany after world war one um through the treaty of versailles is what created the conditions for the nazis to rise to power and then as the nazis were rising to power american companies very influential american companies were investing in the nazi reich to help them come to power hitler was loved in the united states Tons of American companies were investing in the Reich when the Nazis came to power. As a matter of fact, IBM was still doing business with uh, the Nazis after they invaded Poland. So, (laughs) so, uh, yes, people need to understand this stuff. They need to understand history. No, this doesn't just uh, happen in a vacuum and accidentally. There are people controlling this stuff. And they are making these things happen. And again, they have a long game, a very long game. 
very long game. And that's the thing. Uh, as soon as you realize that a, a lot of this connects and was a, a coordinated plan for 100 years, then you re realize it was 200 years. Then you realize it goes back to thousands of years to the Roman Empire. Then you realize it may even go back to pre-Christian times and Egypt. And then you realize it may go back to ancient Sumerian and Canaanite and Phoenician times. Absolutely. And you, and you just see the constant uh, Absolutely. Um, march towards, you know, empires well, that's rise, the thing. empires you, fall. You, you, that's the thing, too. And that's one of the things I'm going to talk about when I get uh, back on the mic is the spiritual element here and yes. the fact that we're involved in spiritual warfare because you would you would ask the question what would motivate someone to pick up the mantle of this mission that has been going on for century and century and i'm just going to um I, my lifespan is only 60 70 years uh, of, of my life but i'm going to dedicate my my life in those 60 70 years to the principles of this mission that started centuries ago. What centuries. is connecting me? What is connecting me to these people and to, and that's when we start talking about these secret societies and, and these allegiance that people yep. are making in secret to secret gods, to, uh, to occult magic that they all are involved in on the hush hush. But this is what, what unites these people and what gets them to devote their lives to these missions that have been in, in the works for centuries. Yep. And, and they're just the cog in the wheel, but they've, they've devoted themselves to this mission because they've aligned themselves through their secret oaths, through their uh, secret allegiance and to their secret worship of yep. these gods that go back to Canaan, that go back to Samaria, that go back to Mesopotamia. That you're, and I'm going to talk about all that, Andrew. I'm going to be talking wait. about all of that. I can't wait. I know you. I, I know that we both know a lot about that stuff too. So I'm looking forward to you breaking it down because um, a lot of people kind of scratch the surface, but you're very concise and, and thorough when you go through stuff. So I'm definitely looking forward to that, man. I mean, um, it's right there in our faces. They have it right there. They have their their magic and their symbols and their spells right there. And <laughs> what do you think the Pentagon is? The yeah. Pentagon is the center of a pentagram, people. Exactly. Yep. I mean, that's that's the war machine. <laughs> Yep, it's the sure. shape of a pentagram. What is the pentagram? The dog star. Sirius. Baphomet. <laughs> Satan. These, I mean, these, people, <laughs> these people are worshiping dark magic. And that yep. is the connection. We are in a spiritual war. It's spiritual warfare. And people need to understand that. It's larger than just our mundane, physical four-dimensional world that we're living in this is a lot bigger than that and these people these elitists they understand it they understand it at a spiritual level they're operating at a level higher than most people because they're operating on this spiritual level yep they understand this stuff and i, I would make the argument that, that that's why a lot of it even even the ones that know about it and are engaging in it and took the blood oath and they're in the club now and they can't ever get out. It's too, it's for life. If, if you speak about it or if you, you know, they'll, they'll find a way to get you. And it's, it's much like the mob, the mafia, all coming <laughs> exactly. out, all coming out of Rome, all coming out yeah. of it. You know, it's, it's the same 
you, you join the club, you take the blood, blood oath, you drink the green or the golden liquid or whatever the hell it is, and you're in the club, and now you play the game. You know, the, the, the allegedly the artists that sell their souls, and now you can't, you know, we'll give you all the riches you could ever possibly have, and but now you got to play the game, and if you ever speak out, if you ever blow the whistle, you're done. We'll get sure. rid of you. And that's, I think, how it goes. And that's why um, it's twofold. It's the dark, nefarious part where it's hidden because we can't just tell you what we're doing because there would be backlash and we might, people come after us. But then there's the aspect of it being hidden because the average person, I, I hate to say it, I, I know I sound like an asshole when I talk like this, but the average person is not smart enough to even be able to grasp these concepts Absolutely. in totality. And that's another reason why it's hidden. So in um, the um, Harry Potter series, the author of Harry Potter has a name for the people that are not initiated into yep. the the magic world, the world of magic. Uh, and, exactly. and, and Harry Potter, um, you know, when you, when he goes to Hogwarts, you know, there are magicians there that operate in, you know, what they call white magic, which is good magic. And those magicians that operate in black magic, which is, is dark magic, but uh, it doesn't matter if you are operating in the white or the black magic, you still are in the realm of magic. You're still yeah. a witch. You still are a warlock, but the people who could not understand the world of magic were the moguls is what she would call them. The mudbloods is what they are. And, and, and it's basically a derogatory uh, way of, and, and they talk about people that are the uninitiated, the people that don't understand their magic like that, that they're, they're the mudbloods. They're the, the moguls. They, they, they don't understand this. They, they're blind. They don't have the third eye. Uh, they're not enlightened. Um, and the majority of the population is, is like that. Now you have those that participate in the dark magic and they feed on the moguls. They feed on the mudbloods that don't understand their magic. They get rich off of them. And um, I guess that those that perform the the white magic or, or the good witches or whatever, I don't know many of them. I don't I don't, well, I don't crossover concern myself with them. I'm right. but I'm concerned with the with the those who are participating in the dark magic, the black magic, like Aleister Crowley famously said about himself that I am the most wicked man that has ever lived because of his practices of dark magic. Uh, and Aleister Crowley, 33 degree Mason, was not the only one who participates in this magic. Uh, and he was just, again, <laughs> uh, out in the open about it. But there are many uh, who do. A lot of them are running things in this country and in the world. And that is the allegiance that holds them all together. And that is 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 the the thing that 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 ties this whole thing together uh, is their allegiance through these uh dark magic mystical arts that they have all bought, bought into and um that's something that we really uh, are going to have to address and talk about without having um you know it be um 
what's the word I'm looking for? Something that is kooky or tinfoil hat or I mean, why would anyone think Ooh. of that? It's right there in front of your face. If you understood these these symbols, you could just look at the dollar back of a dollar bill and and uh, and understand you know, what these symbols mean, or just, you know, go to Washington, D.C. And, and walk around and look at all this symbology. Where do you think this stuff comes from? Exactly. I just, I've said that that's been one of my catchphrases on the last few shows I've done is all you got to do is look. All so you have, to, you do have look. to do is look, people. If you refuse to look, you can't say that it wasn't right in front of your face. I'm sorry, because yeah. it clearly is. So, well, the problem is the majority of people don't know what they're looking at. So even right, though well, that's my can, point, yeah, <laughs> even though it can be but right there. there in front of your face, yeah, <laughs> but, but most of them don't know what they're looking at. But it's real, and I guess it's going to take people like me and like you to break it down on our podcast. But that's what I'm going to be focusing on. Uh, you know, of course, talking about issues and uh, current events and what's going on. I'm definitely going to be covering that. But I'm going to be getting deep into the root of some of this stuff when I get back on, and, and uh, that's what I'm looking looking forward to. I can't wait, man. Can't wait till you get back on the mic. Can't wait to see the new video show. And uh, before we get out of here, I wanted to share this clip real quick. Uh, I forget this guy's name. I wanted you to take a listen to it real quick, Sam, before we go. And uh, this guy's talking about what happened in 1913 under Woodrow Wilson when the IRS and uh, the Federal Reserve came in and why they came into existence and what the original purpose of it was. And it goes right back to what you were talking about with regard to the tax and the inflation and the endless credit card. Yeah. So before before you play the, the clip, people need to understand because there was a lot of people when um, the House of Representatives proposed this funding bill for Israel and they were going to cut IRS agents and people were oh, yeah. online saying that, oh, it's so un-American that you want to cut the IRS and uh, why do you want tax cheats to get away. And people think that <laughs> that the income tax, tax is as American as apple pie and Ugh. that the income tax has always been part of America. That's exactly. what people think. People think that, that we've it's always crazy. paid taxes and we've always had the income tax. That is not true. We have only been paying tax on our income for a little bit over 50 years. And it was, it was, you know, made a law in the early part of the 20th century. People need to understand that. We have not always been paying income tax. Exactly. And I I recently said that on my last show. I was like, you have to know that, look, some of you, uh, most of us were born into a world where all this stuff was already in place. So, But that doesn't mean that people did not come before you. That doesn't exactly. mean that that's the way it has always been. So uh, I'm going to share the screen here, and I want to – for everyone listening and for you, Sam, to take a listen to this gentleman talk about this very thing. Here we go. Prior to 1913, the American people had direct veto power against spending policies of the federal government because in order for the federal government to borrow any money, it had to go to the people. There was no central bank it could go to. It had to sell bonds. If you didn't want to go to war, you didn't buy the bonds. If you didn't want this pork project that the government had in mind, you didn't buy the bonds. It was a very simple system, a Republican system, whereby you had veto power. What kind of system? Economic veto power. And it worked very well until 1913. That's how come government managed to stay small. 
because it didn't have an unlimited credit line to go on a shopping spree for 80 years and make you pay for it. So in 1913, there was this convenient new arrangement made. The Federal Reserve Act created an unlimited credit line for the federal United States government to borrow directly from the Federal Reserve Bank and obligated the American people to pay it back, completely bypassing what was our veto power. And they no longer had to come to us directly to ask permission to fund something. They went directly to the bank. Now, if you go to the bank and want to borrow some money, what do you got to do? You got to put collateral up, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to give you a $5,000 loan if you have no collateral, if it's unsecured. You're going to have to put up your house, your car, your land or something, right? All right. So, so that so he cuts so that cuts off at the end. But I I want I'm, I'm sure that he was going to tell you what the collateral is. I and was the just going to say you want to pick that up. Yep. So the ahead, collateral Sam. is what I was saying in the beginning of this podcast is that our labor we are the collateral. Yep. We we are are the reason that they will continue to put I set us that up in with debt the oil because because <laughs> they can always they can always squeeze more money out of our labor. We exactly. are the collateral is what they did in 1913. Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson actually said that he realized that I don't know how how true uh, this is, but uh, there's this quote from Woodrow Wilson that says. Um, I've unwittingly destroyed my country. That's it. That's the one. <laughs> That's the I've quote. I've unwittingly let outside investors come in and and basically buy the United States of America. Exactly. Took over. The Rothschilds. Yeah. I don't want to be anti-Semitic, but the the, um... <laughs> the European banking cartel. Elite. Yeah. Elite. Exactly. One hundred percent. You can make the argument that we have been owned and operated since nineteen thirteen. Since owned exactly. Founded in 1913, my fellow Americans. And I want you all to remember that this election season, when you listen to I don't care if it's a Republican or a Libertarian or a Democrat, I don't care. If they're not talking about the deficit and the debt, they're not talking about the taxation and the inflation, no other issue makes any difference, in my humble opinion. Uh, And that's that. Sam, you want to have the last word? Well, you just had the last word and I'm just going to back you. I'm going to back you up and agree with you 100 percent. The greatest national security threat that the United States of America has right now is our debt. And um, it's the biggest issue to me. Um, me I'm going to be talking about it when I get back on the mic, but I'm going to be talking about a lot of other stuff. So I hope you guys join me with According to Sam. Um, you'll be able to follow the podcast. I'm going to put it on, on YouTube, Rumble, and Twitter. So any of those uh, platforms, you'll be able to watch it, and you'll still be able to listen on all those audio platforms. Sam, my friend, great talking to you. Great catching up, man. Always a pleasure. Can't wait to check out the new show. And uh, with that, my fellow Americans, take care of each other out there. Cut people some slack. It's getting tough. It's getting tougher every day. Let's get away from fear, and let's make our way back to love for you, for me, for all of us, for Sam, and for myself. I love you guys. Good night, and we'll see you next time. All right, people. Actually, we won't see you next time just yet. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. And now it's time to play some punk rock.
right, people. Welcome back to the show. I know this show's getting a little long, so let's get to it, ladies and gentlemen. Making their return to the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. My brothers in punk rock from San Diego, California, have recently come out with another brand new single entitled Let Me Go. Here they are, Agent 51, with their brand new single entitled Let Me Go. something real and then let me go I love it that was Agent 51 with their brand new single let me go my fellow Americans I hope you learned something from this show today I hope Sam and myself and other podcasters like us are helping you see are helping you understand are helping you become engaged, active, courageous. You know, I hope we are giving you the strength to press 
forward in your quest from ignorance towards knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Because, my fellow Americans, there's a brave new Orwellian surveillance police state totalitarian dictatorship world order that is upon us. And my question to you is, what you going to do about it? I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Good night. We'll see you next time. This has been episode 165 of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. Entitled... Sam Winchester checks in. We'll see you next time.